Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Peninnah, you've got children, so we're going to give you a bunch of the sacrifice. Hannah, I love you, but you don't have any kids, so here's you a little tidbit, okay? That's what's happening. The scripture doesn't tell us how many children Peninnah had, but when it came time to worship and sacrifice, Peninnah showed up with her grocery basket and all of her kids. I actually think it speaks to, her to our capacity for worship that she brings. Anyways, that's a whole side point. Hannah showed up alone and with her one little piece of meat that Elkanah had given her for her to offer to God. This is intimidating on two levels that I think. Every year, every year they go to worship. And this worship is a reminder for Hannah that she has no children. As she watches Elkanah uh, give all this meat to Peninnah, she knows she's just going to get one little piece. Every year Hannah goes to the tabernacle to worship, Peninnah reminds Hannah that she has very little to offer to God and by implication also to Elkanah. Now, it may have been a little, uh, a little like going to church on Mother's Day to celebrate mothers when you don't have children, or maybe you've not been able to have all the children that you wanted to have. It's a little uncomfortable. I think this situation was very uncomfortable. In verse 6, so Peninnah would taunt Hannah. These are grown women coming to church. I know it's hard to imagine that adults would act this way, especially Christian people, but you know what? It goes back to the Old Testament. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would, would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why, why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. I would like to apologize for all men for all time. Um, our, our way of thinking has not changed. We still think the same way. Sometimes our, our overconfidence blinds us from noticing your emotional needs. And we kind of, uh, we just kind of think of ourselves as being pretty grand. It's like, kids? Who needs kids? You have me. Hey, our two kids just moved out. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Diane's thinking, the house is empty. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so we got a dog. <clears throat> you should be happy, Hannah. You have no reason to cry, Hannah. This is an annual event. Hannah is reminded and ridiculed for not having children year after year as she goes to worship the Lord of heaven's armies. Evidently, 
Elkanah's attempt to comfort her doesn't help. Watch what happens. In verse 9, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. So they had had their meal together. She leaves the table. She doesn't want to be with everybody uh, anymore. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. She's hysterical, okay? She's upset. I, I feel for her. And she made this vow. Oh, Lord of heaven's armies. So I, I, I didn't put it in my notes, but I just can't help but notice that over and over, this story is addressed to the Lord of heaven's armies. So she's praying to the Lord of heaven's armies. This isn't, you know, in, in the past, they recognize God with all these multiple names. God is our provider. He's Elohim. He's God above all gods. And here it is specifically the Lord of heaven's armies. There's this militant, aggressive, offensive, Offensive feeling to her prayer. Offensive, offense, like offense, on the offense, not offensive. You know what I mean? Okay, thank you. Good, good job. Stay with me. Oh, Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. That was kind of the Nazarite vow from, from Samson that we looked at before. Hannah emotionally makes a vow to the Lord of heaven's armies. She is, little trivia point, she is the only Hebrew woman recorded in the Old Testament to have ever made a vow to God. God. It's pretty significant. She makes a vow that if God will give her a child, that she will give the child back to the Lord. We can only make assumptions about what is going on in her mind and in her heart. But I think that Hannah is beaten down. I mean, in the text, I think that she's tired of being beaten down. She's kind of at her, she's at the end of her rope, she's done, and I think that she's ready to come up fighting. That's why I believe she addresses the Lord of heaven's armies. I'm ready to battle this. I'm tired of Pinanob pushing me around and making fun of me. I'm tired of being the objects of people's jokes. I don't know if I can say other things there. Her time of prayer must have been a little animated because the priest, Eli, he notices her praying. Verse 12, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. It's a logical conclusion. Must you have come here drunk? Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. He's pretty upset. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of a great anguish and sorrow. We can appreciate her honesty and her passion here. The priest thinks she's drunk. She's defending herself. Verse 17, in that case, Eli said, go in 
peace. Watch how simple this text is. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request. I don't think Eli even knows what the request because her lips are moving, but there's no sound coming out. So she doesn't, he doesn't even know what's really going on. You with me? In that case, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked him. Verse 18. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Now, I think that this is a story of great faith. Hannah was distraught over not having a child. She's tired of being belittled by Peninnah, Elkanah, He's no help whatsoever. He doesn't even understand what's going on. He's like, if you don't have any children, we'll get you a dog. It'll be good. So she turns to the Lord in desperate prayer. Hannah is trusting that the Lord will answer her prayer and help her. I think most of us have been here before. And when Eli the priest, watch what happens. So she has this need, she comes to the Lord, she passionately, emotionally pours her heart out to God and says, this is what I really want. This is my heart's desire. This is what's bothering me and I'm trusting you with this. And when Eli, the priest, assures her that the Lord will answer her prayer, there's this turn in her, this change. Hannah's done. The panic seems to be over. She goes back, evidently, maybe rejoins the family. I don't know if they're still sitting around eating. If it was our family, we would still be eating because we just kind of, you know, leave the food on the table and visit and eat and visit and eat. Hannah goes back and she eats. The scripture says she was no longer sad. Are you catching what's happening here? She is desperate. She goes and prays. The priest says, the Lord will answer your prayer. And in an instant, she seems to be, her, her emotions are transformed. I think that that's some great faith. Hannah took her problem to God, not just to talk about it. Now I'm going to hammer on you for a little bit. Sometimes our prayer is kind of like sharing our problem with our friends. We just want to talk about our problem. We don't really expect them to be able to fix it. And we pray the same way. We bring our problem to God. We bring our problem to the Lord, mostly to just complain. We don't really expect him to fix it. Maybe we don't even want him to fix it. We just, want, we just like to complain. Whenever I say we, I, I'm, evidently it's just me because you guys are all looking at me like I'm the only one who has ever done this before. So I will answer the altar call here in a minute and you guys can go on to lunch. Sometimes we, not you guys, but me, we take things to God, right? We pray, we call our, our, our Christian friends and just say, I, I want you to pray with me about this. I'm taking this to the Lord. And after telling God all about our problem that we have, that we're so upset about, then we pick it up and we take it with us, right? Then we lay in bed worrying about whether or not God is going to resolve our problem the way we want him to resolve it. Are you with me? I, like the, I feel like we hit a wall there. If anyone from church asks, 
We'll just, how we're doing, we'll just say, oh, I just left all my problems with the Lord. (laughs) Faith, listen carefully. I'm not going to camp here. I'm going to keep moving. Faith is believing that God will work out your circumstances however you want them for his glory. We just read that in Romans. This is all about his glory. I know you came for an encouraging word this morning, moms, but it's not about you. It's about the glory of God. Husbands, it's about the glory of God, not you're better than 10 sons. Yeah, faith is believing that God will work out your circumstances for his glory because we believe that his glory is greater than what you can imagine your circumstances could be. Are y'all okay with that? Don't change churches over that. Number two, here we go. Hannah's blessing from God. Here comes the blessing. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah where Elkanah slept with Hannah. The Lord remembered her plea and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel and she said, I asked the Lord for him. So kind of a side note, Samuel means his name is God or name of God. Hannah is hyper aware of God's role in Samuel's life. Okay, God has blessed Hannah and answered her prayer with a baby. Just like Eli said. Verse 21. The next year, year later, Elkanah and his family went to their annual trip, went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. The story gets strange. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise because Elkanah is a husband who he is paying attention. He knows that what his wife Hannah has vowed is an extraordinarily difficult vow to keep. May the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. Now, we, we, we read that correctly. As bad as Hannah wanted to have a son, her vow was to give the child back to the Lord. This was her one chance to go with uh, Peninnah and uh, worship with more than one piece of meat because Elkanah was going to give her two pieces of meat this year. This was her one chance to not be ridiculed for not having any children because God had answered her prayer. This is her one chance for things to be different than they were every year previous. But Hannah, out of commitment and gratitude to the Lord for answering her prayer, she surrendered her moment of glory for something much bigger. Bum, bum, bum. What's going to happen in the story? Verse 24. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. Now, what is unclear here is if it is the annual family trip 
or if this was a separate trip. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference, but we just don't know. I noticed it this morning as I was going through my notes that uh, I wish it was the family trip. I want it to be the annual family trip, but we don't know. It just says when the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice. Side note. Bringing a three-year-old bull would have been an incredibly extravagant sacrifice, okay? It's no small thing that they brought the whole bull and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he, was grant, he has granted my request. Now I am giving to the Lord, giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. I just have to wonder, what is Hannah thinking? This is the child that she wanted so bad. God gave her the answer to her prayer, her passionate prayer. And then Hannah gives the answer to her prayer, God's blessing to her. God, Hannah gives the child back to the Lord. It's kind of crazy. It's amazing. This year, I imagine that Peninnah's eyes were filled with envy because I think that this was still a family trip. Peninnah is watching this time as Hannah goes to worship. As she watched Hannah victoriously enter the tabernacle, not with one choice piece of meat, but this time Hannah goes in with the whole bull. <laughs> I think there's some strutting going on. A three-year-old bull, an extravagant sacrifice by any standard, a sacrifice greater than Peninnah had ever been able to give herself. Plus, it wasn't just the bull. She also brought a basket of flour, and she brought some wine. When I picture this scene in my mind, I see every eye in and around the tabernacle is watching Hannah because no woman ever brings a bull to worship and to sacrifice in the tabernacle. This is an amazing spectacle. No woman has ever, ever brought such an incredible sacrifice. Everyone is watching. Eli the priest, he is staring in astonishment because he's thinking to himself, I think that this is the drunk woman from a couple of years ago the crazy lady. And here she is with a three-year-old bull, an extravagant sacrifice. She's bringing some, some flour. We're going to have tortillas later. And some wine. Mm, hallelujah. It's going to be a good day. Eli, the priest, is staring in astonishment. Hannah motions over. She motions to the, to the priest to come over to him because she wants to talk to him. She's not going to yell across the tabernacle. She's like, sir, do you remember me? I think Hannah's humble. She's, she's a special lady. Do you remember me? I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the woman to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. And now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. Hannah's most magnificent sacrifice of worship 
was not the bull. It was not the flower. It was not the wine. She surrendered her son to God. Man, that's big. That's huge. This week I told Diane what my title was and she immediately ripped into me because she thought that I was going to preach about her and letting go of our kids that left this week or this year, not this week. It's not what it was about, by the way. Hannah brings her son and she surrenders her son to God. The very desire of her heart, she gave back to God. After all the years of embarrassment, because she had very little to give, very little to worship with, very little to sacrifice to the Lord, now Hannah is offering to the Lord of heaven's armies the most precious gift of all. She is giving back God's blessing to her. Anyone can sacrifice some meat. Maybe there's quite a few people who could sacrifice a three-year-old bull. But there's very few people who will take God's supernatural blessing to them and say, Lord, I love this. I appreciate this. But I want to honor you by giving it back to you. Not just our kids, our resources, our talents, our time. All that we are that God has abundantly blessed us with, we bring it as a sacrifice of worship to him. Number three, Hannah's praise to God. I like this part. She gets really excited. <clears throat> she probably would have been Pentecostal if she was living here now. <laughs> kind of zingy. All right, Hannah's praise to God. Here we go. Samuel chapter two. Uh, I'm just going to read the first 11 verses. It says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. We could take that and run with it, right? That's incredible. Verse 3 Stop acting so proud and haughty. Now, I would love to be in Hannah's mind. Is she talking about Peninnah or is she talking about herself here? Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance for the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of, his, of the mighty is now broken and those who stumble are now strong those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who were starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. I don't know that that fits into our modern Christian theology, but that's what the Bible says about God, that God, the Lord is the one who brings death and life. He brings some down to the grave and he raises others up. That's what God does. And Hannah's very aware of this. Verse seven, the Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor for all the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world in order. 
Hannah's faith. We can kind of ride on her coattail a little bit. Just, I'm going to back up just for a second. For all the earth is whose? Mine. Nope. All the earth is the Lord's, and he sets the world in order. Verse 9. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in Uh, disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. Verse 11, then Elkanah returned home to Ramah without Samuel. Wow. And the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Hannah just wanted to be validated as a woman, as a mother. Hannah is genuinely grateful to God because God answered her prayer. She isn't rejoicing in arrogance. I don't think that at all. She really is rejoicing in what God has done for her. God has lifted Hannah up. She was down before. Now she is exalted to being the spectacle of the tabernacle in a very glorious way. God has significantly, visibly increased Hannah's capacity to worship. Once she had one little piece of meat, now she offers a very personal blessing from God himself as her sacrifice of worship. Hannah surrendered herself. She surrendered her desire. She surrendered her will. And then she surrendered her son to God. And God responded by demonstrating his glory in Hannah's life. So here's my challenge to the mothers this morning. Mothers, God has uniquely designed you with a capacity to give more of you than you have to give. Brent, the math doesn't work out there. I know, I know. But that's how moms are. They always give more than they really have to give. Don't give it out of your own sense of well-being or superiority. But put your faith in God. Surrender all you are and all you have to him. And let God use you as a vessel to display his glory. That way, whenever you give more than you have, it's God's blessings that you're passing along. Does that make sense? I would like for all of our moms to stand. Just the moms. If you're a mom, if you would stand, I want to pray. After we pray, oh, some of y'all are going to be bashful on me. I'm not going to do anything weird, I promise. (laughs) After after we pray, uh, I'm going to give you more instructions. That's what I'm going to do. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for you being a great and a mighty and awesome God. You are the Lord God of heaven's armies. And we have a need. We can come to you. And by force, you will bring a blessing that glorifies you and all that you are doing in our lives.
Father, we couldn't be more grateful for what you do. Your blessings are abundant. It's so exciting to get to serve you. Father, I pray today for all of our mothers that are represented here today. Father, we thank you that you've put it in their hearts to be givers of themselves. Lord, I pray that you would also put it in all of our hearts to surrender all of who we are to you for your glory. Lord, we give ourselves to you. Father, I ask your blessing upon our mothers. Lord, whenever they begin to feel empty, that you will fill them up. Whenever they begin to feel frustrated and overwhelmed, Father, that you would give them the strength of your Holy Spirit present in them and all around them. Father, whenever they feel like they've lost value, I pray that you will help them to understand the righteousness of your son Jesus being put upon them and that they have the value of Christ, that they're your daughters and that you bless them. You bless them with eternal blessings. You bless them with great blessings. Father, we just thank you for our mothers. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can surrender ourselves to you and you are glorified in all the aspects of our lives. Mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.